0: love talk radio
1: Africa of Africa. 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 the center of the world Africa. latitude zero longitude zero planned Africa. by the creator Susantibus was the first man found Africa. on the earth that earth i
2: So vast, so great, the African
1: embrace, the color of life,
2: universal harmony, the earth supports our conscious effort for sustained humanity, human beings
3: We are do-wop and bebop and hip-hop and we don't stop. It's how our mother gave birth to everyone on earth. So we echo her call. And always walk tall. Because we're hip to the world. So we create black pearls. That everyone can wear. that Everyone can share. We can't live in despair. So we shine everywhere. On and on. On and on. On and on.
4: We'd like to welcome you to Africa on the Move on the 19th day of December 2021. As your host, Brother Africa, we're going to bring to you today our theme, Discussing the truth about Africa That's right, we're have some discussion on the truth about Africa And we'd like for you to join us by dialing 323-679-0841 A little bit under weather, but we're going to do the best we can Like always, we're going to speak truth to power and a power And what we're going to do at this point in time is to bring in our political panelists and analysts for today's program. First, we have with us Brother Haki. And we would
5: like to welcome him to Africa on the Moon.
4: Welcome, Brother
5: Haki. Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamathi Mishoki. You know, my thing, of course, Brother Africa, is all about institution building. But I got to tell you, uh, one of the things that I found, you know, um, fascinating this whole question about inequality you know often when we talk about inequality we talk about inequality to the extent that it impacts people we often don't look at inequality's relationship in terms of it's uh, negative impact on the overall function you know of the of, these, of government in particular when we talk about the economic realm of government also I thought I'd write this through a bit about uh, in terms of some of the real problems affiliated with inequality in terms of how it gets in the way in terms of the more efficient system in hopes that people begin to understand the very real problems associated with capitalism, particularly you know in terms of hard works. But anyway, in, in Brother Africa, check this out. Now, the hardships of inequality does not just affect groups of individuals, but also has a devastating impact on the government's ability to raise needed income to conduct affairs of the state. Inequality, a fiction of capitalism, is endemic in both institutions and policies. And attempts to reform institutions to address systematic inequality are largely ineffective. Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren is currently waging her second attempt to pass the Stop the Wall Street Looting Act. The bill will impose restrictions on private equity firms by redefining compensation rules making it difficult to buy businesses and shift those businesses of their assets including pensions for the purpose of profiting. Also it seeks to limit current interest which provides compensation to members of private equity firms in excess of what monies they contribute to buying up a business. While Warren's attempt to rein in the, those benefiting at the expensive economy and jobs is laudable, the reality is the corruption she seeks to curtail is much too widespread and pervasive. Corruption sanctioned by the state renders meager attempts to rein in private equity firms woefully inadequate to addressing legitimate theft and the ensuing plunder of the economy. Instead, implementing laws that circumvent the flow of funds into organizations like private equity firms may be a better strategy and limiting the options to undermine the economy. Such a strategy calls for rules governing the reallocation of money. Specifically, allocation of funds flowing from Wall Street investment banks should be the primary focus. Stipulations in telling the use of Wall Street funds could be targeted to ensure the use of funding will be directed at investment firms who express interest lies with fighting inequality in and reduction of social inequality. This would ensure a tangible economic benefits to the state in terms of revenue employment and elimination of misallocated resources that contribute contributes to deficits. <clears throat> of course, what's being espoused is impossible what's been espoused is impossible to achieve under capitalism. The levels of inequality, unemployment and budget deficits have skyrocketed not because these are solely manifestations of capitalism, but are necessary byproducts of market systems. Referred to as neoliberalism, inequality is not only the natural state of market economy, economics, but it is actually one of the strongest motor forces of progress, according to advocates of neoliberalism. Now, the tenets of neoliberalism presents as dystopian of that the pursuit of wealth exceeds the value of life and the attainment of wealth that justify a world of inequality, death, and chaos. There was no surprise when Brian Nick of Luvana Investment lamented the end of Federal Reserve purchase of debt of indebted corporations and the potential impact on Levine's. trillion dollars in assets in opposition in opposition to ending the money trail from the federal reserve he advocated the solution lies in the economic excuse excuse me He, he advocated the solution to economic issues are high interest rates to cause corporations to get rid of more workers to combat inflation ironically it is not workers who create inflation but the federal reserve massive money printing that only benefits big corporations and the wealthy. Now, according to the Commerce Department, wages for workers increased just 12% while corporations ripped in the largest profits historically over the last two quarters of 2021. If workers' salary increases, including a $1,400 stimulus check or alleged refuse inflation, how should we account for corporate profits of over $3 trillion, not including tax loopholes, and the CEO's compensation despite declining sales? Oddly enough, against this backdrop of productivity decreases, consumer prices rose 6.2% directly as a result of corporations raising prices even when price increases were not warranted. Clearly, economic elites are willing to pass on inequality and hardship to the law orders. Law orders, in this case, means the masses of people. Now, butchers like capitalism, according to the founding principles, which says, quote, law order masses had no right to make any claims on society as a whole. The masses viewed as superfluous or without value, except to the degree that they are dorsal and, and productive. Speaks to the, uh, end quote, speaks to the willingness of the wealthy elites to exclude tens of millions of people from the economy under the guise the less the masses participate in the economy, the greater the profits. Never considering the masses of people participation in the economy would actually enhance profits by increasing demand. Now, capitalism's vertical hierarchy ensures inequality and stability. With the evolution of neoliberalism came the notion of absolute control of both the state apparatus and individuals residing in the state. Currently, the rentier class occupies this rubric. Content to maximize total control, this class has new to control all aspects of property, property, making them the epicenter of all things economics. Controlling financial, physical, and intellectual properties, their reach extends far beyond the boundaries of the nation state. Their mission is to control global economic activity, promote surveillance on nationals, and the destabilization of states that oppose their mandates under the guise of maximizing profits. Implicit in this international arrangement is the relegation of most of humanity into serfs. Under this arrangement, efficiency of the economic order is no longer a consideration. Economic policy that fosters hopelessness or despair is embraced as a strategic success and encouraged by economic elites. Those who challenge this conventional wisdom are labeled radical and, in most cases, terrorists. Support for this arrangement is, is reinforced by bribes paid to leading political figures and, in the case of the U.S., campaign donations. The consequence of this unbridled corruption is more inequality, more corporate insolvency, and increasing governmental debt. In an attempt to counter this bankrupting influences of neoliberalism, liberalism, most corporations employ their own corrupt gains in an attempt to remain solvent. In the case of J.P. Morgan Investment Bank, it has employed scams where their traders issue orders they intend to cancel once they hook an adequate number of unaware investors. Between 2008 and 2016, J.P. Morgan was caught once again in order to pay $60 million fine by the Department of Justice for spoofing. The fine paid pales in comparison to the amount of money made from the scam. Given the decrease in investments in the securities in terms of stocks and stocks and bonds, because of low yields, one would think that the Department of Justice would impose heavier fines and ensure investors are adequately compensated as opposed to giving back just 10% of their investments. The point is, if the system is willing to treat the wealthy unfairly before, before the law, do you think inequalities that disadvantages the poor or the nation really matters? Probably not. An adequate supply of police and prison ensures inequality inflicted on humanity are here to stay with ever-increasing consequences I think those consequences we have to be uh, concerned about because those consequences have the potential to be not only very, very destructive, but was but, but extremely lethal in terms of the application. And i close with that, Brother Africa.
4: Thank you, Brother Hackey. Next, we bring in Brother Anthony, and we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Welcome, Brother Anthony.
6: Uh, Thank you for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objectivist Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism.
4: And Father, Brother Anthony, we now bring in Brother Moses. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Move.
7: Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witnesses is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that mouth and tongue is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children, and we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I votes. I believe women hold up half the sky. That's why I support the Equal Rights Amendment (ERA). Yes, and and the struggle continues to be to unite the many to defeat the few. You know the lies and interests of the of the few, the one percent is is diametrically opposed to the interests of the masses of the people and the exploitation must end and and we must be the nation must be liberated and the people must be free. And I thank you Russ, again, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show.
4: Thank you, Brother Moses. And from Brother Moses, we're going to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, welcome oh. to Africa
2: on the move. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Brother Africa, and good evening to everyone. My name is Eleanor Johnson, and I'm delighted to be participating in this evening's show. And uh, it's been a, a busy week on planet Earth, and Mother Earth is definitely screaming out for some environmental changes. Thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to share with our listeners and
0: our uh,
4: neighbors. Thank you so much. Thank you for being Sister Eleanor to our listen audience. This is Africa on the move. We're going to make our transition by doing a station break first with then we'll revolutionary music and when we come back we're going to discuss what's going on in your world Mm -hmm. and your community. And you can join us by calling at 679-0841. This is Africa on the Move.
1: Afrique, un grand nombre, un disons non, disons non, à ma guerre, à la haine, au racisme, au tribalisme, pour le dégrandement de notre continent, afrique, le Congo, oh, oh, oh. basé de côté dans dans l'amour. La volonté, le cœur. L'amour, la volonté et le sacrifice pour le changement du Congo. Congo l'homme pour un Congo nouveau. Madame Patricia
8: Lequoi, se vin. Banaya Congo Tolyana Tusanana.
1: Africa, Basan. I'm going to do it we are strong. You are a only one who speaks the same Waje choto bagusi wakwila eh. Tungane peyane mawado. Njuta gama iti eh. Tugogo eh. Tume muke dita tukata Juki na fiti na. Afrika. mama Oh, not in
8: Man, you're an African You're mine, you're national
4: but you can't take Africa out of the African. We welcome you back to Africa on the Move. And before we go into our segment, what's going on in your world and your community, we'd like to get, make a couple announcements. First, we'd like to send our condolences out to the family of our brother, Ike M- 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 Malafo, who was a great revolutionary freedom fighter, Pan-Africanist, from the Pan-African Congress of Zanya we like to give our condolences to his family. We just lost a great uh, warrior, a great servant of the people. And at a later date, we will do a great acknowledgment to him. Also, in terms of your history, we'd like to remind you that on this date of the 19th of December in 1875, George Carvergy Wilson, he was an African historian. And they call him the father of so-called Negro history or African history. This was the day where he was born in 1875, December. And you haven't heard about it yet. We'd like to just remind you that don't forget from July 23rd to July the 31st, 2022, there's something coming up. Join us in the African Awareness Association as it take it. As it Go on a funeral ride to Cuba. It will be a Black History, educational, and Cultural Travel challenge. For more information, please go to the website wwwaaa cuba That's a. That's wwwaaa cuba And also, for your library, don't forget, if you have not already, purchase your book for the Pan-African Roots, publishes volume one and two. It's a new book that just came out, titled We Demand. The full disclosure and digitalization of all slavery era records. You can do that and find out more about this book by visiting the website www.a-a or So make sure you check out the website and publish that book, Volume 1 and 2, and the author is Brother Bob Brown. It's a book that all Africans and female people should have in their library. Support Pan-African support roots and publish the book. So those are a few announcements and announcements for right now. What we're going to do at this point in time, we're going to make our transition to what's going on your world in the community, by starting off first and foremost with Brother Haki. What's going on your world in the community, Brother Haki?
5: Well, Brother Africa, you know, this, this this question in terms of, you know, um, why there's so much hatred in the world, I mean, and clearly what makes you understand that hatred is part of a strategy. It serves a purpose, and people often don't understand that this facilitated hatred purposely facilitated hatred is a part of a grand strategy in terms of not only pitting people against one another, but also to justify the kind of average and greed that is so commonplace, and particularly in capitalist society. So clearly, uh, this question in terms of hatred is one that we have to, you know, uh, spend some time, and I read an article uh, with a kind of current, which is a very interesting article, and I thought you'd share a little bit about that article, and I thought it was very, very interesting. But in any event, um, this is what I wrote in reference to that article. Now, recently, according to the countercurrent, the UN General Assembly adopted a resolution condemning Nazism, neo-Nazism, and all forms of racism, racial discrimination, xenophobic, and related intolerances. Now, 193 member countries voted on the resolution to eliminate racism, but out of that number, 51 countries, including all member states of the European Union, including Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, abstained from the voting on the resolution essentially signaling disapproval of the resolution, while the U.S. and the Ukraine voted no on the resolution. Ironically, the resolution is not legally binding, but more symbolic in its application. Like human rights doctrines that attempt to frame the rights of people, it lacks a legal mechanism to ensure compliance among states that are deemed autonomous. The doctrine's symbolic character is incapable of rendering states' constitutions as irrelevant and, as such, does not pose a threat to states' institutions or power. So why would Western states reject symbolism that seeks to prepare societies in a more humane direction? The most obvious response is the benefits accrued by Western states' participation in imperialist structures, which benefits them to the detriment of others, specifically the global South. Benefits derived from imperial structures vastly enrich the West, Western world, and because these structures are multilateral, ensures nations work together for mutual benefit to, of issues of importance to to participating parties, establishing, excuse me, establishing, establishing, established by Western elites. Now, innovation of policy, innovation of policy to the exclusion of the global South is what serves as a catalyst for Western exploitation and domination of the world economy. And precision insulation is the massive slave dynamic which demands subservience among the global population and compliance among its leaders, in short, subjugation via deception, economic policy, and inflicting terror are useful tools in maintaining Western control. Had the U.S. endorsed this resolution, it would have been a clear indictment of the humanity which is commonplace in American society and the inner workings of its institutions to facilitate division for the but express purpose of maximizing wage, wage exploitation. Of course, monetary considerations are a big part of innovating economic systems that foment greed, hatred, and death. The notion that humans are defined by material possessions relegates humans to gladiatorial status, complicating reaching its resolution to the ills confronting humanity. Perhaps it is this logic that embraces hatred and destruction as inevitable. In the case of the U.S., the destructive impulse has been on full display. Prior to Nazism, the wholesale of killing of indigenous people, presumed differently based upon their skin color and their culture, was initiated by the U.S. Prior to apartheid coming to existence in Arsenio South Africa, the U.S. was the first to implement the Black Codes for the purpose of controlling African movements and relegating Africans to to, to non-citizens. By curtailing this this history, historical injustices and brutality gained legitimacy free to be utilized. Formation after formation, racist organizations sprung up in America with the test support of the U.S. government. In 1877, President Ruth B. Hayes withdrew federal troops stationed to protect free blacks after Reconstruction in the South. Hayes understood this move would empower white Southern Democrats to reintroduce hanging under the color of law, thereby reversing political and social gains for Africans. While, raising, while rising levels of terror inflicted on Africans prior to Hayes' election, you, excuse me, Ulysses Hayes, Ulysses as president, passed the Ku Klux Klan Act to suppress the KKK. Nine years later, the Supreme Court ruled the Ku Klux Klan Act unconstitutional. Now, violence perpetrated against African people never really abated. Violence once inflicted by organized hate groups are now administered by police and organized hate groups. Despite the FBI director's claims the rise of hate groups is a national security threat, the response from Congress has been muted. Now, why is this? The only way for the ruling class to maintain control is through division, hatred, and violence. In a document that espouses an end to systematic racism will limit, limit ruling class strategy and make con- control difficult to sustain. On a global scale, the, the spread and proliferation of Nazism serves the interests of Western elites. By forming a division using Nazi sympathizers, not only can either be divided, but Nazis could be used to facilitate nationalism, which blinds the populace to the graft and corruption of the government. The fact 51 European Union states, along with the U.S. and Ukraine, rejection of the proposal speaks to the long and the obvious struggle that must be engaged to ensure human freedom throughout the world. No one should delude themselves into thinking our country has real concerns about the plight of humanity. In fact, psychologically speaking, by assuming our country, you imply resolutions to society problems are in the hands of the powerful, the benefactors of social disintegration. If history has taught us anything, it's that freedom for the powerful and freedom for the masses are two different things, and we have to keep that in mind. Now, close with that, Brother Africa.
4: Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we're going to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world and the community?
6: Okay, a few things, uh, Brother Africa. Uh, it seems as if the U.S. has no monopoly on voter suppression. Uh, there are presidential elections taking place in Chile. And uh, And uh, it seems as if, uh, uh, let's see, the company that is responsible for providing mass transit services are refusing to provide uh, bus service in order for uh, poor and working class voters to get to the polls to cast their vote and uh so uh, there seems to be a, a bit of uh a voter suppression going on in Chile as well as uh you know uh capitalist countries like the u s which has passed uh legislation in order in order to prevent uh the masses of uh working class and poor people from uh, uh from expressing their uh, their feelings uh, through the vote so uh, workers of the world must get better organized in order to uh, you know to uh to to prevent uh further erosion of uh, what of what reforms they struggled for and shed their blood for also uh it seems as if uh capitalist, some some certain capitalist companies are using a court system in order uh in order to suppress the uh the struggle of workers uh for uh for uh, fairer and more just uh working conditions uh at their workplaces uh companies uh like Kellogg's and uh other corporations come to mind in that regard so uh you know so it seems like it more and more as as conditions intensify and uh shortages uh uh caused by pandemics and other uh and uh other occurrences. Cause shortages. It seems like the struggle between the half and half knots is intensifying.
4: Thank you, Brother Anthony. We're going to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world in the community? Thank you,
2: Lord, and the picking up me. So, what and 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 the time thing? I'm so glad. Uh, Because she told me on uh, Friday that she came early on Wednesday,
0: on Thursday. Well, I know
2: that didn't happen because she called me, thank God, and told me when she was walking nearby. And I did erase that call on the landline so I can see that. So I'm not trying to make it less than, but this thing of, you know, she told me I came five minutes early on Wednesday. I left 15 minutes late. I want Mariah to
4: sign in and sign out. Sister then Eleanor, can so, I ask you, Sister uh, Eleanor, excuse me for one second. Okay. Are you speaking Uh-oh. to a mic, a, a speakerphone? Can I actually speak directly to your phone so we can hear you more clearly?
2: Good evening, Brother Africa. This is, um, Thank you, and it's been a, a a great week. Um I um, uh I would recommend that anyone that visits the District of Columbia um stop by the Phillips Collection and see the um Alma Thomas exhibit. She's uh African American painter, a member of the Colorfield School and uh it's a it's a wonderful exhibit. Also we see that um In this country, the corona deaths have now reached over 800,000. So it's really an issue of what we're going to do, whether or not we're going to handle the science. But more than ever, Brother Africa, I think this week we saw the importance of of, of Moderna and Pfizer uh, releasing their proprietary information and allowing pharmacies, pharmacies throughout the world to be able to produce the vaccine our brothers and sisters in kenya egypt south africa are prepared to do so so we should um, allow them that opportunity so i'm hoping we'll see some movement on uh sharing this important data so that we can save so that lives can be saved globally thank you brother africa
4: Thank you, sister. I know, brother Moses. What's going on in your world, the community?
7: Thank you, thank you, brother Africa. Um, certainly, we have to recognize that um, Senator Manchin or whatever his name is, um, is has decided he's not going to vote for the Buy Back Better Buy Back Better program or whatever the president's program. So that was interesting news. Uh, the Democrats can't can't deliver the Democrats. And, um, meanwhile, um, um, the, 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 the vote that, um, uh, Haki mentioned, brother Haki mentioned about the fascism, uh, um, and, uh, to try to, to, um, condemn the, the fascist movement, basically, um, uh, the US and Ukraine uh, held the voters voted uh, re- refused to sign on to the the statement uh, this is not the first time uh, Russia has been introducing this this legislation for the past 30 years I think and so the u.s. refuses to condemn fascism and 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 uh, that's that's notable um, we've said this country is racist, and uh, that's consistent with that racism. Um, other than that, uh, the coronavirus uh, is, 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 is running rampant, and, uh, and uh, we hope that people will see the need to get vaccinated. Uh, and um, meanwhile, I'll just leave it right there. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Brother Moses, and to our listening audience, this is Africa on the Moon. We're in the seat, we will take the heat as we define it, we will stand behind it, we're going to take a rubbish and a culture break, and when we come back, we're going to start on our theme tonight, which is discussing the truth about Africa. That's right, we're going to be discussing the truth about Africa, and from the various sources that we'll be using, you can all go to your YouTube channel. We found that some real interesting information that you can use above YouTube that can be a teaching tool. So we hope to use some of those materials today as we discuss this whole question of discussing the truth of, about Africa. That will be our discussion when we return. This is Africa on the Moon. That's right, Palestine, need our freedom, need our love, so does Africa and the rest of the world. We welcome you back to Africa on your moon. We right now going to make our transition to today's the theme, discussing the truth about Africa. Recently, there was some interesting um, videos that has been made. You can go on YouTube and check them out. And one video uh, made by Mother. Universal Studio, um, talking about different types of superheroes. I think one of the things that came through on this particular video dealing with Marvin Marvin Studio is that they seem to be pushing or or pushing and highlighting the need for these superheroes who represent so-called African community and African people. To express their femininity, their feminine side, many of these heroes, for some reason or another, they decided to um, highlight the need to be very feminine. And I want to raise with the panelists, just in general, what is your perspective on this question of trying to feminize African people, particularly African males? What is the agenda all about? And how it will it impact our community if it is successful, Brother Hackey? There was other contradiction you may have noticed from that particular um, video, um, but we think it's very important because this issue also is an issue that the West is trying to push and impose upon in Africa. So, Brother Hackey, when you look at this particular video, what was some of the things came to your
5: mind, Brother Hackey? Yeah, I, I think this, this, this narrative that they keep trying to push in terms of homosexuality in the African community, I think it is very, very fascinating. And you also alluded to the fact, you know, that also in Africa, they've been pushing that narrative as well. And I find it very interesting that during President Obama's trip to Africa, one of the things that he raised in terms of his critique of Africa, he said there was not enough gay rights in Africa. And I found myself thinking, i said, damn, you may have all the problems Africa has to confront with the systematic oppression, the systematic economic barriers that exist that limits Africa's growth. Uh, you have all of these problems uh, that, are, that are peculiar to Africa, but yet the most you can come up with is this whole question of terms of, well, there are not enough rights for gay people in Africa. I find it very, very unusual, but I suggest, I suspect it has a lot to do with, as a wedge issue. I think one of the things they want to promote, they want to promote as much division in the African Union as possible. Certainly, one of the things they, they want to promote is the notion and the fact that, that, that homosexual people are oppressed. And there's no question there is a certain amount of marginalization that goes on in terms of you know practice against people who happen to be gay, assuming people are flamboyant and above cover in terms of their lifestyle. Uh, So no one would deny that. But I think when you started equating, you know, the oppression of homosexuality, you know, to the oppression of African people, I think that is a bit much. And I fail to see the parallels between the two. Uh, The only, to the extent that I can see a parallel, is we're talking about, essentially, we're talking about human beings. So in that that perspective, nobody should be discriminated against based upon, you know, uh, 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 based upon, you know, uh, some situation they have no control over and so in that context i could see the parallels but other than that i really don't see a parallel between you know the, this, this this claim in terms of the oppression of homosexuality uh and the the, the historical uh, conditions african people have to endure you know in in, in in western society so seeing to me brother africa um you know um when you talk about superheroes you know um one of the things that uh Normally, you don't think, when you think about superheroes, normally you don't think about their sexuality at all. Normally, you just think about their physical prowess, their ability to solve situations, their ability to do that which is right. Those kind, of value, those kind of variables, which are normally affiliated with superheroes. The mere fact as you can start talking about homosexuality in terms of those superheroes and being, being tied up to black superheroes, I think there is uh, a, a case to be made that perhaps that this, this is being done in terms of facilitating a lot of division in the African community. Clearly, like those those individuals like um, Lil Nas X, you know, who's got this great amount of hostility toward African people in part, I think, perhaps because they're probably ill-treatment that he received as a kid growing up being, being different or, quote-unquote, being different or being gay. So I think that hatred sort of manifests itself generally in terms of hatred of all African people simply because you know, his, his historical experiences, so I think the people in the of power understand that this kind of um, this kind of hatred does exist, and I think what they're doing is they're playing on that kind of hatred to facilitate the must-the-vision, the must-the-vision as much division, or certain format, as much division as it possibly can in terms of in terms of the African community. So I think it's part of those those cultural wars, those uh, those those those, those uh, gen- uh, gender politics that they perpetuate, or identity politics they perpetuate particularly specifically for the sole purpose of dividing people. So I think to the extent that they want to divide people, I think this is why they uh, paint these superheroes, uh, 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 as these as, as African superheroes or these black superheroes as homosexuals uh, to the exclusion of all other groups being homosexuals. So I think clearly there's a, a political agenda attached to their motivations.
4: Thank you, Brother Hockey. Brother Anthony, Give me your perspective when you look at that video. One thing you know about cartoons is this, Norm appeal to a younger generation and, and, and youth or children. Now, what is it about that particular cat uh, cartoon that is being created by Marvel that seems to highlight and emphasize just only the African heroes of being feminine and not others. What is the danger that from your perspective, brother Anthony?
6: Uh certainly, uh I think is uh, in addition to sowing division, as uh, Brother Haki alluded to, I think it. I think it is a subtle extent, a, a subtle attempt at genetic annihilation. What I mean by that is by making uh, homosexuality appear fashionable. And uh, keep in mind that. Uh, that the the narrator of uh the video alluded to the fact that comics are primarily geared toward male audiences uh, prim- uh partly because uh none is uh they those types of stories don't uh don't uh, uh appeal to females as much but, uh, but the, uh, you know, so the, uh, a lot of the storyline is targeting male audiences. And I think it's in addition to showing division uh, among Africans, it uh, is making homosexuality appear fashionable. And therefore, is something that uh, that uh, that everybody's doing, and and that and and the long-term effects of that is to lead to the depopulation of Africans worldwide, and uh, and I think it's a subtle attempt, but the long-term Uh, implications of that is that it would uh, uh, lead to a decline in the uh, African population. And there are some Europeans that push that so they can uh, gain control of Africa.
4: You know what, Brother Anthony, in terms of spelling on your last point, some people also argue that this movement also may be attack against this whole question of gender. So they're pushing this kind of behavior in these kind of relationships so much that many people feel that they may be creating a scenario in which they can they they may be justifying or saying, you know, it's not important to have to have women around any longer. Women's not important. So therefore it becomes a means to, as well as to, eradicate or exclude women. What's your take on that phenomenon, that perspective? Uh
6: well, uh well, uh, for for people that take that sort of view, it would intensify the oppression uh, and exploitation of women uh, further. And uh and again, uh, you know, as uh, as uh you know uh you know, it shows division among our community and it, it further divides us and uh you know and makes uh you know uh a a, a bad problem even worse because by marginalizing the role of women uh, is subjects them to further exploitation, and uh, and uh, you know so it it uh, it it, uh, it is dangerous for the African uh, you know community in the long run, uh, you know to have uh, you know this sort of uh, you know uh, uh, thing promoted uh, because it shows the and, uh, and, um, you know, it, it, it implies that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that women aren't needed and, uh, you know, and, uh, that's a very, uh, dangerous signal you know, to put out there and, uh, you know, and that's why I don't think, uh, you know, uh, you know, th- uh, films like Eternals should be supported by the African community. Thank you, Brother Afton.
4: Sister Eleanor many people are saying with this uh, movement, this lesbian, gay movement, the feminization um, aspect of, of African male, many people want to argue that they think this form of oppression is equal greater in the is equal or greater than the oppression of one based upon their nationality, race or class? What you make of that particular statement, sister? I don't know. Do you see this form of oppression as greater equal or greater than this question of one nationality or one's nation, nation oppression, class oppression or gender oppression?
2: One of the problems I see, Brother Africa, is whenever we try to classify oppression, that is a distraction of the oppressed in itself. Right now, um, the greatest focus at the working class, and that means everyone from doctors and lawyers, anyone who gets a paycheck, should be um, the distribution of wealth eliminating uh, the health uh, disparate, the differences in health care and e- the lack of equity in education. And I don't think comparing one, uh, comparing uh, someone's sexual orientation and what oppression one group is experiencing versus someone else due to their ethnicity is uh, uh Worthy of uh engaging, I think it's a distraction in itself to keep people from looking at the collective issue, which is the coll- the oppression of the many by the few and that inequity is the main issue in terms of uh, people's sexuality uh when you mentioned President Obama, for example, addressing the uh issue of uh the oppression of g- uh, gay people in africa um no doubt if if he saw, if he witnessed that that's something that he saw but the greater oppression is the lack of uh of equity for all people um for the uh lack of education, the uh, inequity in terms of women. Uh, we saw in Kenya with the pandemic how um, the military was called out on to, to enforce curfews in Nairobi. And these are the people that run the markets and are responsible for cleaning the markets at the end of the day. And they risk literally being shot if they were not in place during this horrible pandemic. So I think the biggest issue that we should focus on right now, Brother Africa, is um, getting the vaccine delivered to folks who need it and wish to have it. Uh, I think making sure they have the tools such as syringes and that they have persons with the skills available to administer uh, the vaccine. And in terms of of sexuality and making that the focus uh, of uh, 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 um, political discussion, I don't think uh, that – I'm not going to say it's not worthy of discussion. I just insist that it must be a distraction because that, combined with so many more issues, gender inequity, age discrimination, class discrimination, racism, apartheid. Right now, as Brother Moses said, we have the United States and the Ukraine insisting that uh, they not sign on uh, something to ban Nazism, to ban racism, to ban xenophobia, to ban homosexuality oppression. So I think those kind of issues are the big issues. That uh, we should focus on, because certainly uh, the, the Nazis are fighting Nazism, and the United States claiming that it was a violation of uh, our First Amendment rights to sign any agreement that bans na- uh, Nazism it is outrageous. Do we 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 condone murder? We condone genocide? Under the, no 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 no. So no, brother Africa. I I don't know. If you're talking about the Eternals and 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 this kind of entertainment, it should be seen just as what it is: it's entertainment. It's um, uh, cartoons. Uh, what do they call those comic Kind of. Uh, you
4: saying you yeah. You're yeah. saying this? You saying these type of propaganda materials as relates to young folks is just a form of entertainment. And I look at the content and well, what the kind of ideas it is it, it, particularly.
2: Yeah.
1: I know, but
4: particularly? morning just entertainment. About,
2: they are more than entertainment. I'm suggesting that they be be uh, relegated to the status of uh, 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 entertainment. Not even be uh, if you have any control over your young people, not to even have them. Um, Reviewing such materials, I think that i I think they are a distraction, as I said, Brother Africa. They take away what should be the real focus, you know, which is the oppression of the masses of the inequity that we are experiencing in the world, the impact that the global north is having on the global south because of our use of carbon uh and our continued use and, 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 and pushing uh, for more pipelines and more, more, more coal uh, plants and this kind of thing. It's a distraction to keep people from focusing on the real issues, on developing their consciousness. I think, in fa- as I said, Brother Africa, it's a, it's a, it's a, a dangerous distraction. And it takes uh, the attention of our youth away from what their focus should be, which is equal rights, which is decent housing, which is equity in food and education and medical care. Those very important issues in having political and social rights and I, I I just think it is it is uh, a tool to keep people confused and oppressed.
4: Uh, Thank you, sister Nora uh, Moses. We, we ain't on this, brother Moses. We are yet on this on this issue in terms of the using, using the cartoons as a tool to push this whole process of feminization and. Homosexuality as relates to the African community.
7: Yeah, I can see your point. Um, uh, I can see the point. Um, uh, that um, it is uh, um, uh, uh, attempt to to uh, to distract from the real issues of the day, and uh, bring up uh, issues that are uh, that are uh, that are issues but but don't demand the kind of attention that uh that they want to bestow on them uh um i think you know um president obama you know when he brought up gay rights um um uh, you know he he showed he's not i don't think he's in touch with the real issues of the african community uh uh um that's my opinion, uh, uh but you know, the gay rights is a is a real issue and um uh, and uh, certainly we support the LGBT community but uh but um to polit- politicizing it in in, uh, in these cartoons and uh for the young people then uh, I don't i don't uh i i think you know that they're being represented pretty well the television is 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 um is bent towards um gay rights um uh with depicting homosexual and gay relationships and uh, and uh, this is a trend that's been going on in recent years and uh uh and so Hollywood um and Marvel is picking up on that trend and uh and perpetuating it. But but uh I don't think um the the problem is, is as great as um they would have us to believe. And I'll just leave it right there. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Brother Moses, Brother Hockey and I'd like to get your response to this uh, phenomenon. When you look at the current about going on on social media as relates to Chappelle and the LGBTQ community I around mean, whether or not Chappelle raised, which I think is a fundamental, and I think historically speaking, a continuation of, of, of a problem that has never been or people refuse to address. And I think the question he raised is a valid one. I'd like to hear your response. It is it possible community can be very racist? Well, that was that' too much outside the line to raise the axe, brother Haki?
9: well uh
5: you know the bottom line, brother Africa is that you know uh when we when we talk about racism um uh, you know we should not presuppose that one's sexual identity uh precludes racism. In fact, one of the things when you talk about politics, there's a, a group of Republicans called Law Capital Republicans, one of the most racist Republicans on Capitol Hill. They identify strongly with their homosexuality and there's some of the most racist, most conservative individuals, you know, in the political circles. So clearly, you know, when you look at corporate America in terms of the president in terms of employing, you know, uh, people who uh, who are homosexual uh, and you think about uh, corporations as as a as a as a uh, as, as a as, a, as, a, uh, as an institution. Uh, it's extremely conservative, and so to suggest that the fact that somehow gay people are immune from racism is absurd. In that regard, the um, um, uh, brother um, uh, Dave Chappelle was the opposite of correct, uh, and certainly one of the reasons why they came out him was because of the fact his, his critique uh uh they disagree with they agree with wholeheartedly. And that's fine to disagree with it. You know, but to try to undermine his livelihood, to try to destroy him simply because he said something that you disagree with, uh, you know, uh I don't think uh speaks speaks well in terms of in terms of our fight, you know, for a uh for a society in which, you know, uh discourse should be uh, uh should be practiced as a matter of as 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 a matter of uh, as a matter of uh, um you know as a matter of how life you know should be conducted uh but let me just back up a little bit brother africa it's important that i i I respond to something um um, the sister was saying and this is important that we understand this point nobody here is advocating hatred or discrimination or anything in that regard in terms of people who are are homosexual we're not saying that we're saying that you have the right to live your life according to what way you want to live your life you have the human right so that is not the issue. The issue, Brother Africa, I think, that you're raising is that we're talking about the impact that it has in terms of um, uh, the overall, the overall condition, function of the African community. One of the things that we have to acknowledge is that African community, Africans tend to be very conservative people, in part because of the influences of the church. And let's be very clear on this, that most of us, we, we oppose homosexuality. We don't necessarily, we don't necessarily hate homosexuals. But we oppose homosexuality, the act. And I think those people in positions of power will understand that fundamental dynamic in terms of the African community, in terms of propensity to be very conservative based upon, you know, indoctrinating into these, these church principles. So I think people in positions of power understand that. In that context, I think it's important we understand when we talk about people in positions of power, we, we, we understand clearly the role of strategy and tactic in terms of maintaining the oppression of African people. So if people in positions of power can utilize whatever, if they can utilize identity politics, gender politics, or whatever politics that can divide a people for the sole purpose of continuing the oppression of that group, then that's what they're going to do. So this question in terms of strategy is important. So when you raise that, you raise it in strategic terms. It's important to understand. So, for instance, when we talk about the fact we talk about there are a lot of Africans who condone the oppression. So when we talk about black conservatives in terms of their, com- their comfort with, uh, with oppression of African people, we talk about that. Well, the reason we talk about it is because we understand it's part of a strategy. The people in positions of power promote these people because it serves their, their interest. And so, therefore, they understand from a strategic point of view to promote these conservative, black conservative voices is in the interest of perpetuation of the system. We have to understand it from a strategic and tactical point of view, you know, that if we don't limit the, 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 these voices, if we don't c- c- critique, if we don't challenge these voices, then it gives these voices more legitimacy. In other words, we make it possible for those people who seek to win uh, oppression against us, we make it possible for them to succeed at oppressing us. And so we can't do that. And so, the co- and so when we talk about it, a cartoon, even though we think it's a simple cartoon, one thing we got to understand, you know, uh, it's not a simple cartoon. Uh, it's not a distraction. This is, hardcore, this is hardcore politics. And this is what our people have to begin to understand. We have to begin to look at things in terms of, in terms of political manure, manure, uh, manure. It's important that we do that. Uh, Because if if we don't understand social phenomenon in the the political context, if we don't understand the role of strategy and tactic in terms of what our adversaries do to us, then we could never figure out a way in terms of moving forward. We can't, because if we don't know what they're doing, then we can't do it. So it's come upon us to critique everything. Even if we think what we're critiquing is simplistic or stupid, that we should have that right to critique it, because it is important. And so as long as strategy and tactics are one of the tools that the oppressors use in terms of maintaining the oppression of African people, then we'd be ill-advised not to, not to pick, up on those, pick up on those attempts to deceive our communities and to bring clarity to these situations, to have these kinds of discussions, to actually talk about the implications of what they're doing. It's important, because one of the ways we're going to diffuse a lot of the power that they have is by actually talking about it. And so when they talk about the fact that, uh, you know, that these, 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 these black superheroes are gay to the exclusion of other groups, just, just just so happen only the black ones happen to be gay, when they do that, we ask the question, so why only the African superheroes? Why are they gay? Why not the white Asian? Why are, they not, why are they not gay? Why the African superheroes? Why are they gay? So we ask that question. And we have to have that discourse. We have to have that discussion because what they're doing is part of the strategy. It does have implications. We just can't dismiss the implications of what they do because we're uncomfortable with, with, with what they're doing. There are many ways in which they, many things, many evidence in which they utilize in terms of sole purpose of deceiving people. We have an obligation on this panel to make sure that our people understand that these discussions, uh, even if they're uncomfortable discussions, that we have to have these discussions because we've got to make people aware just how subtle you know, a lot of this maneuvering here is when it comes to, main, you know, when, when it comes to uh, strategy and tactic among among the powerful, in terms of using that strategy and tactic for the sole purpose of deceiving and to ultimately to oppress a people. So we have to have the discussion. So I don't see it as a distraction. I see as those things a necessary discussion, even though it may perceive, some may perceive it as trivial. It is a discussion because it's part of a pattern in terms of strategy and tactic the oppressor used for the oppression of African people. So we have that right to have that discussion. Not i close it with that.
4: Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Anthony, I would like to get you to respond and listen to the audience. Um, we invite you to call in at 323-679-0841 if you are any the or comments on this particular subject matter. Brother Anthony, when we look at this whole question of how the LGBTQ is trying to impose their agenda on other communities and other people. One would argue, such as Brother Shapiro, one of the other statements he made was that if one could argue about recognition, one could argue about being oppressed, one could argue about fairness, one could argue about being just, if you're going to make that type of argument, then you also must be consistent with your actions, that is to say, when other groups face similar oppression, similar forms of harassment, terrorism etc, cetera, et cetera, such as when you see African people being gunned down by their so-called official police department, when you see the oppression that African people have gone through historically and continue to go through, and you choose not to say anything about that then what legitimacy do you have to raise this question about oppression and fairness when you see this and you let it continue to a place that don't respond to it, but yet you want people to respond to your calls, your response, um, Brother Anthony?
6: I think, I think you make a very good point, Brother Africa, that if, uh, that uh that no form of oppression is just or right <clears throat> and that all forms of oppression are wrong and uh and I don't think that I don't think that's what we're debating here I think uh and in terms of um utilizing uh cartoons or comic books uh to convey information uh, keep in mind that the target are male youth. For them, uh, let's see, uh, comic books or cartoons are not trivial. They are uh, they are a very important means of of uh, of getting uh, certain lessons in life. So they do have an impact on a sacrifice community. And therefore we must address it. And uh and because it uh 'cause it it shows the vision and also it gives an incorrect impression of the reality of our community.
10: Uh
6: it uh and uh let's see and I think uh and I think what they're doing in uh in uh con- uh in uh movies like Eternals trying to make homosexuality fashionable among africans and that, and that and 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 that is incorrect it is not it is not something that all africans are doing or aspire to and that's an incorrect perception and uh, and if we don't fight against incorrect perceptions among our youth, uh, they eventually get to a level where they become self-fulfilling prophecies and become a danger uh, to our community in terms of sowing division and exploitation uh, among ourselves. So I think it's very important that we address this issue, even though it's only a, uh, it, it, it is only a small sector maybe a small sector that's affected by this. It is an important sector of our community. Our youth are an important sector because they're the ones that perpetuate. Our future. So, uh, so the information that influences them and their behavior, we have to pay close attention to.
4: Thank you, brother Anthony, to our listening audience. This is Africa on the Moon. We're going to take a a culture break. When we come back, we will continue the discussion, which is discussing the truth about Africa. And we invite you to join us by calling 323-679-0841, hit one, and we will nod your last for a number. We'll be right back. This is Brother Africa on Africa on the move.
3: Water in chains, living in pain Today is the same and nothing Ever changes Hung by a noose Can't tell the truth, filled with Abuse and everywhere there's Danger How long Can this go on When will the Life I see I know must be strong to last through my journey, yeah. Last through my journey, yeah. oh. time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. my journey yeah. yeah 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 Made it through my journey Made it through my journey Hello Reno 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 A bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia A scar where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word, called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk was reborn, and baptized in the sound of sensual skin, turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence, Pellegrino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied, no, the chains in that break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, Did not tarnish the glow of my gold. And all the Pelorinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. When the light is clear, Oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah.
4: Welcome back to Africa on the Move, um, Brother Africa. As I stated earlier, if my voice sounds a little weak, it's because I'm um, a little bit under the weather. I haven't been feeling well, and we're going to do the best we can. So bear with me. As we left, we were discussing the theme, discussing the truth about Africa. We're going to make our transition to the next video that was viewed earlier by my panelists, and we welcome you to call in if you have any views or comments as it relates to our subjects that we'll be discussing. Now, this one is dealing with how European historians forge identity to make an African queen look white. In other words, how how European historians have taken various African artifacts and mold them and present them in a way where they look like anything other than what they are. This whole question one could say is cultural identity theft, forgery. So, Brother how can we start out with you. This question of the history of Naphtarys and how they present her in this museum in Germany to the world. What do you, what do you make of this question of forgery? One, what should be African people official policies when it comes to African culture and history as it relates to Particular artifacts that have been stolen. How should we respond to that reality?
5: Yeah, well, Brother Africa, let's let's be very clear. Uh, when we talk about power, we have to fundamentally understand that the people who control the wealth have the power, and as such, they're in a position to strategically determine, you know, uh, how nervous will be presented. So to present Nefertari as some, some white woman, certainly within their pre- preview, uh, they can do that. Um, they can do that with relatively little relative pushback, given the fact that we don't control the media, uh, there's relatively little pushback. And, of course, when you talk about the, the ever-present uh, uh, racist, racist strain that exists in the world, clearly those in the Western world who see the irony in terms of promoting Nefertari as a, as a white woman who understand that's fallacious and false, don't have a necessarily vested interest in terms of correcting that narrative. So clearly we understand that's a, that's, that's a reality. But I think as African people, the thing we have to do, uh, first and foremost, we have to make damn sure our children grow up with an adequate understanding of that history. We have to do that. It's not a coming upon anybody else. It's coming upon African people ourselves in terms of making sure our children learn those history. Our children should learn the history like it you on know, the back of their hand, because it's, it's, it's true, it's clear. And one of the, certainly one of the motivations in terms of presenting her as white, one of the things that they, 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 the imperialist powers in the world want to project is this notion that anything of value is always white. And as a consequence, uh, you know, uh, everything is presented as white. Even to the extent when you start talking about history, to the extent that they whitewash history and start talking about, you know, making people of uh, something that they weren't, you uh, understand it's, it's, it's in their interest to do so, and so therefore they do that. Well, since we can't stop it, then the only thing we can do in terms of making sure not only that we understand the, the history, but also that we write the history in terms of – we become historians in terms of writing a history for future generations to share. It's it's a very difficult situation, but one of the things, brother, I, I – um. I was uh, recently I, I watched the uh, old video I, I used to watch back in I was I was in the I was in the, um, in the I think it was in like sixth seventh grade, It was a film narrated by Bill Cosby uh, he 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 uh oh, he also moder he also hosted it. Anyway, it's called Black History Lost, Stolen and Strayed, and he talked about the propensity in terms of the Western world to steal African ideas, make them European ideas. And so you start thinking about propensity. Then you ask yourself, so why this propensity? Why would you pick something that you know is not yours and present it as your own? Then why would you do that? Well, certainly one of the ways in which you can justify um, injustice, and one way you can justify, justify inequality, if you can convince yourself or convince people that uh, the kind of wealth uh, that you have access to is justifiable, given the fact you're so much brighter, you're so much more intelligent than anybody else. In that context, so when you play down the African character in terms of Africa's contributions to the world, it makes the West look that much, much, much more esteemed, much more grander, and that's the whole point. And that's just precisely what they do. And so, unless we have a fundamental understanding in terms of the history, and then we fight back, uh, and we fight back understanding history, uh, in addition to and aside from fighting back from history, one thing we have to do, we have to reimagine the economic system. We have to do that. Because one of the things, no matter how informed you are in terms of African history, one of the things in terms of human needs, you got to have a certain amount of economics in terms of bringing, bringing forth, you know, uh, a of, satisfying that human need in terms of, you know, food and shelter, those kind of things. In that context, money does play a role, and so therefore economic, reimagining the economic system is important. But the, the, the irony is that imagining that new economic system is virtually impossible if you don't have an understanding of the history. The history tells you that you're capable of doing A, B, and C. If you don't have an adequate understanding of history, then you don't think you're capable of achieving A, B, and C. And as a consequence, you accept the dictates of those who oppress you under the guise that they know better. So we have to fundamentally fight that. But we have to understand that we, we're, we're in a war. And again, when we talk about strategy and tactics, we got to understand that this is all part of a strategy. And, it, to, to, and it's, it's a global strategy. And so to the extent that we, many of us internalize the self-hatred in terms of being African, uh, it goes hand in hand with our lack of understanding in terms of our, our histories. And for those Africans who think that somehow that they're, 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 they're African, but other Africans are not Africans, that's, 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 that's the quintessential ignorance, uh, which again is, 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 is directly, direct, directly related to lack of understanding in terms of African history. One who understands his African history doesn't make distinctions among Africans, even they don't make tribal distinctions. They simply say they understand their tribal affiliation, but they also understand, in the broader scheme of things, that they're African. And they don't say, well, I'm, I'm they don't say I'm Yoruba, and, uh, you know, uh, and the world revolves around me and everything else is, is unimportant. If they understand history. They only come to the conclusion that Yoruba makes them greater than all other, all other tribes if they don't understand their history. And so this is what we fundamentally have to, We have to fight. We have to make sure that our kids are well versed in the history. Two things we have to have in the African community: history and the mathematics. Those two things have to be focused on. The kids are very, very mathematically inclined until they get to about twelve years of age. And they lose interest in mathematics. Is that a coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence. It's all part of the socialization process. It's all part of it's all part of this, this strategy. In tactics, you love those conditions of power who understand by creating certain conditions, you can, you can minimize the intelligence of children simply by affecting the conditions in which they come up under. We have to understand the strategy and tactics, and then we have to move to diffuse those strategy and tactics by, by creating conditions to counter those strategy and tactics which undermine the, the intellectual development of our people, or particularly our children. Uh, Brother Oscar, I'm going to close with that because uh, otherwise I'll be talking... Talking, talking, not just, not just close to that.
4: Thank you, brother Hackey Brother Anthony, forging false identity of a people, history, and culture. Is this another example of a crime against humanity?
6: Yes, it is, and uh, and uh, also, and one of the vehicles the enemy uses to per- perpetuate this is the media. And uh, as long as they have control over how Africa's perceived, they'll continue to do this. And, uh, and uh, as our Brother Haki pointed out, it is very important that we convey to our youth the truth about our history. And also, we must take control of how it is taught in our community. But we can only do that if we're organized. Right now, the enemy is taking advantage of our disorganization as a people so that we don't control the institutions that are responsible for educating our youth. And therefore, they can can, uh, perpetuate this lie that Nefertiti was a European. And that is part of their ongoing effort to se- to separate Egypt from the rest of Africa. And uh, you know, and uh, the accomplishments of uh, of the the Kenmites are so well known that they can't be erased from history. And so, therefore, they're trying they're trying to per- uh, portray the people. Of Northern Africa as other than Africans. It's been going on for, uh, uh, for, for for a couple of centuries now, and it's perpetuated to this day, primarily through the, through the uh, uh, through the bourgeoisie's control of the educational system and the media. And uh, we can only put a stop to it through permanent organization and control of the political education of our youth. Uh, but we must be organized, and once Africa is organized and united, then we can de- de- demand that those uh, that those stolen uh, artifacts be returned to Africa where they belong and also to other indigenous people throughout the world.
4: Thank you, Brother Anthony. Sister Eleanor, they often say the proof is in the pudding. If the proof is in the pudding, says Eleanor, I'm trying to understand from a European perspective why was there a need to go to a foreign country, take the people out, that you claim has no value useless, ugly take their art, bring it back into your home, and then invite other people around the world to come and see it. Does that make sense, any sense to you, Sister Eleanor?
2: Brother Africa, um, the value of uh, these artifacts and art uh, is inherent and uh I view it as a, a theft i I heard an interview recently where the uh presenter uh said it was a type of looting she she's uh, she said it was akin to looting uh as if there's a riot, but that's the impact of colonialization and uh European domination has affected the uh, our cultural aesthetic and uh, our standards of beauty. But more importantly, it has led to uh, hundreds of years of the removal of, of valuable art objects from indigenous people, whether it's the Benin uh, metal workers, whether it's uh, uh, in Egypt, and, and the idea of either Cleopatra or Nephrodites being European women is outrageous, but that's where we have to develop uh, a strong cultural aesthetic and understanding, as Brother King said, of art, of mathematics, of history, but also of art. Art and music are directly Related to uh, our uh, to our culture to our roots, we see it in Central and South America. The drums of Africa are still beating in in Cuba, in, in Nicaragua. So so uh, it, it it is uh, uh, unfortunate, and and now there are many nations that are prepared to receive their art. Uh, have it returned to them in some fashion uh, or some reparations need to be paid or something. It would depend on each country and each set of circumstances as well as perhaps developing a world standard of how we'll uh, handle the redissemination of art objects and cultural artifacts that have been taken over the centuries from their homelands. Brother Africa, if I can um, backtrack for a moment, if it's inappropriate, you can stop me. In terms of our discussion of the uh, comic books, comic books and these novellas are very important to youth and uh, youth culture. What I was trying to simply say is that we should try to focus on the collective good of the people, of the oppression of the people, And I was suggesting that we not deny anyone their rights, because when we deny anyone their rights, we deny everyone their rights. We had talked about how the United States refused to sign a document banning Nazism and this sort of thing. Well, I was simply suggesting that we uh, try to our youth in terms of their uh, use of comic books. Uh, Novellas are used all throughout Central and South America for adult reading as well as youth. I think it's a marvelous tool, and it is definitely a form of art. However, I just felt that focusing on, uh, on just the limited rights of gay folks and not focusing on the rights of uh, of the masses uh, was a distraction. And I certainly think Dave Chappelle was being abused and harassed as a black man when the mayor of the District of Columbia was asked to take back his key to the city and to uh, take his name off of the auditorium where he had attended high school. I thought all of this was outrageous we have on the one hand the us government co- talking about free speech in terms of uh nazi groups and on the other hand we have a com- an artist a comedian uh making jokes uh, uh that uh about a group of people and and it being considered the oppression of those people and i i i didn't see that is the same, and I also, in terms of these comic books i they are dangerous potentially and and they are very dangerous because they add the our developing minds, the mind of our youth but i 'm suggesting that um, the young artists and folks out there create new imagery i 'm suggesting that uh, pro- uh professional artists now illustrators and cartoonists. Uh, develop new imagery that uh, sets a new aesthetic and new goals uh, that focus on uh, the collective good and uh, of the masses. And uh, uh, that's what I was trying to say. I wasn't saying that it, it wasn't worth it. It just, I felt it wasn't worth the time of, when I say it wasn't worth the time of the masses to just focus on on the, on, on the oppression uh, exclusively of homosexual rights and uh, male uh, gay males' rights to experience their sexuality. I just felt that the oppression of, of African men at, in general was uh, should be the collective theme, and of course there right to express uh, to experience their sexuality as they will is uh, is very much a part of not being oppressed but i just didn't feel that um uh it, it should be uh a main focus of any material that's being presented i thought that there was uh that the scope was just too narrow that we should be looking at uh the rights of children, women, uh, of, of oppressed people, of the liberation of all African people and all indigenous people and the rights of indigenous people. And uh, I, I'm sorry if I, it was misunderstood, but that's certainly what I intended in terms of the uh, eternal, uh, the new film, the comic books, and in terms of Chappelle it was uh they were trying to have a lynching of chappelle over a a stage performance that he does uh and uh, for an adult o- audience in a, a venue where people have the option of either going and 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 participating or not so um uh th- that's where i'm i am on uh the comments and and uh right now i think we need to focus on family on family structures on how to on on education um on training of being a skilled worker of workers rights and understanding what it means to be uh, a, a worker versus the uh uh the wealthy and 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 how the workers can beca- begin to take control or should take the control of of the of their place and resources and the things that they produce of organizing unions and 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 having quality health care having educational opportunities uh, throughout their life that sort of thing um I, I think it's essential.
4: Right, thank uh, uh, I thank you. I thank you. Right. I thank you your point is
5: made. We appreciate it.
4: We only have a little amount of time left. I would like to raise That's one right. question. With all the panelists, our and brother Moses, you know, as we look at this particular video, we're talking about the forgery of African art and culture by your pen. One the issue that was raised in that particular video was one of interest was that how can we tell mm-hmm. or how can we be assured that what we receiving and what we're saying is authentic is authentic when it relates to our history and our culture and our art. Your response, Brother Moses, and I would like to have the rest of the panelists weigh in on this particular issue. Brother Moses first. Yeah, well,
7: you know, obviously the the europeanization of of uh, africa and african art uh is being stolen and uh and uh misrepresented mm-hmm. by by um, by europeanizing it and uh and uh nefertiti's features were obviously you know uh altered to in terms of uh being an African, and, uh, this is a problem, and, uh, and, you know, it takes place, it takes place, um, in all, a lot of different venues, uh, um, you know, black is beautiful, and, and we have to, we have to recognize that, and, uh, get other people to recognize that, and, uh, and stop, uh, denigrating, and, uh, um, Uh, making a contempt for African features. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Brother Moses. Brother Haki, how do we deal with this question of uh, ensuring what we say is what it is? It's authenticity. We talk about things being authentic. How do we ensure we try to protect ourselves for things that may be... um, As they say, are
5: fake. Well, you know, the authentic, authentic, uh, excuse me, whether or not, you know, uh, these these artifacts are authentic is going to be uh, 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 based upon the appraisal of people from the country in which they come from. They're in a better position to appraise the authenticity, you know, of these pieces. But it won't be an easy fix in Brother Africa. It's one of the things that I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that when I think about, uh, there was a book that was published by Mary Lefkowitz called Not Out of Africa, in terms of, you know, to try to, uh, you know, to, to subvert the history, to make the history something is not. I can conceive see would where actually they, they would say that uh, uh, the artifacts that they actually have are not authentic. And based upon the time in which they supposedly were, were, were created, uh, those, those, those artifacts actually didn't exist. I could see them say something like that. So it's going to be a fight. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when you talk about this, some of these largest corporations, uh, you know, in a world who refuses to, to give up these artifacts, it speaks violence in terms of, you know, the, the power of money. So it seems to me when you, when you, when you start talking about authenticity, and essentially what you're talking about in Africa, you you about you're talking about, uh, you're talking about wealth, and so and so I could see the point your rate that you're getting at that the possibility or certainly the, the, the propensity to engage in some type of fraud you know particularly by these these major Western museums, is astronomical because there's so much money being lost by returning these artifacts to their countries of origin. Uh, you know, and and also one one final thing about the Africa. You know, one of the things is that when you talk about ninety percent of those artifacts that are in West in Western museums, ninety percent of those artifacts come from Africa. And historically, the, one of the positions that they, they that the the, the Western the curators, the Western museum owners give, they say that well, we we got these things through uh, through war, and so therefore we we have a right to keep them because we defeated our enemy. But since when in history have the United States or the Western world generally declared a, a formal war against Africa, informal wars, of course, but formally declaring war against Africa uh, simply never existed, simply because there was no real beef between African states and Western states. Uh, the only real conflict was, was African, uh, Western states' desire to take what, what African states had. And so, therefore, this question, in terms of, of terms of money, looms large in terms of whether or not uh, you know uh, these things. Uh, uh, what, what these things will be defined as authentic? So, there's a tremendous amount of just uh, justification for Western states, Western museums, to say, uh, to argue, uh, you know, that uh, you know they could they could very easily give them back something that that's not authentic, uh, something that they that they they attempted to re, uh, reproduce give them that and keep the original and just wait time to re- to re- uh, to re- to, to again uh, re- uh re-bring or bring back of uh, the original the original artifact so that's very possible that it may happen so but to answer your question about africa it's to a large extent it's going to depend on the, the 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 country of origin in terms of the 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 being able to define in terms of what legit and what is not legit uh you know because clearly i think that the 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 uh the uh Benefits in terms of, 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 of um, attempting to deceive people in terms of authenticity of these artifacts is, is very weird because we're talking about a lots and lots of money. So clearly, Brother Afi, you got a very good point. But it's going to, it's going to depend on the of origin to determine whether or not these pieces are authentic or whether they're fake. And that's going to, that in itself is going to be a war.
4: Okay, Brother Afi, your take, your response to the question.
6: Yes, um, I think it's. It, it, I, I concur with Haki that it's going to take the countries of origin to determine the authenticity, authenticity of uh, of those uh, of those artifacts. Uh, let's see, but it's only a liberated and unified socialist Africa that will actually uh, actually be able to demand. And get those artifacts back uh to the land of origin, because as uh, as this has been pointed out earlier, these museums are very powerful and have a tremendous amount of resources and exist for the entertainment of the uh, 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 you know of the uh European bourgeoisie and uh so it, it, it you, you know uh it is it, going to take a fight and it is going to take a tremendous amount of struggle but only uh, only uh, uh, a unified socialist africa would be strong enough to the to the demand uh the return of the uh, of those works of arts of work, works of art uh to their countries of origin
4: Thank you, after him We're going to take a caller who's been waiting. We're going to take this caller and let us listen to his. their views of comment. Caller, your last four numbers are 6103. 6103. The mic is yours. You can speak now. 6103. Welcome yes, to Afdin. Uh, good evening, board.
10: gentlemen. And, yes, sir. Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Um, if I could just say, I'm, I'm an African myself. I'm Ethiopian, and I immigrated to America in the 80s and i just want to say and this is some just a commentary on america as a whole american culture what i noticed today is an over obsession almost a desire to seek out oppression and to apply some victim narrative on everything and it's to me it's weird because americans live in the most free most prosperous country with so much opportunity that everyone around the world risks life and limb to get here because of that Yet most Native-born Americans I see, instead of appreciating what you have and maximizing the opportunities and potentials that are there, you guys are get caught up in trying to almost like convince yourselves that you're oppressed. You look for every oppressive narrative in history and just over-exaggerate it and like, blow it up to the nth degree, and it's like, dude, focus on what matters in your actual life, things you have actual like, control over. You have no control over what happened in the past 100 years ago. It doesn't matter. The point, all that matters is you are an American citizen in 2021. You have more freedom, more opportunity, more food, more, you know, the possibilities of you growing financially than anyone in your family line going back generations. Compare yourself to the most people on the planet today. I always see people in America mention the top 1%. They bring this up all the time. And it's like it it makes me realize Americans don't realize they're standing in the world because – If you make $32,000 a year in income, in U.S. dollars, you are in the top 1% in the world financially on the planet today. So just by being an average American, you are already in the 1%. That's not even taking into consideration all the human beings that came before us. You're in the top .00001% of all human beings. You live today in America. Your standard of living that you consider basic would be the standard of living of kings 200 years ago. And the lack of appreciation that you people have is it's unbelievable. I mean, you live in a country where you've got the quote-unquote poor people of America walking around at three 400 pounds. What other country on this planet do you have the so-called poor that overweight? I mean, it's like you people need a wake-up call. And I feel bad because your country is teetering a collapse here with inflation and the way your country being managed, clearly. And if this country ever goes down and you guys are forced to have to deal with reality like it is outside of America, you guys are going to find out how cheap human life really is. You guys have been spoiled with privilege and entitlement. You think you deserve everything just because you're alive and breathing. That's not how the world is. Get yourself together. Stop complaining. Go out, hustle, grind, and make something out of your life, man. And don't, and don't, don't be ashamed to your forefathers. And don't be an embarrassment to the rest of the human race when there's billions of people on this planet that have no opportunity, no freedom, that live under real oppression, that would give their right arm to spend one day of your life. Do something with it, man. That's all I got to
4: say. All right, Carlo, you you going to start a whole new show, but we will respond to your comment. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. All right, panelists. You heard a comment. We'll start off with you, Eleanor, You can respond back to your comment. Eleanor. Yes. Um,
2: um, the brother the brother is talking about uh, let's just go forward. You know, we're not, we do talk about global oppression, and we are concerned with the distribution of wealth. And, yes, this is uh, what well, has been for some time the wealthiest country on the planet, but it may be big China right now. However, the reality is there is inequity in the United States, and that is uh, we have a few people. What makes one man's life worth billions of dollars and another one's life worth $32,000? And the one that's worth billions of dollars is paying the one the $32,000. What makes equity equity? when uh, there is a tornado warning and Amazon tells you to keep working and the roof collapses. And this hasn't happened to, the tornado may be a a one-time-in-a-lifetime event, but this isn't the first collapsing of a building that Amazon workers are crowded in working uh, 24-7. So uh, when we talk about equity and we talk about fairness, it is uh, we have to deal with where we stand and and the rights of the people where we stand. And uh, the reality is, to get back to the thing you talked about, art, just to wrap that up, Brother Africa, you know, um, there is a real aesthetic. There's no doubt that the world understands the value of these antiquities that are in museums throughout Europe and the United States, and the reality is is that perhaps we're going to have to, as, 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 as world nations, as numerous nations get together, we're going to have to figure out how we redistribute and return those artifacts to their rightful owners, similar to what uh, Germany had to do at the end of World War II with the art that was stolen um, by the Nazis, that was stolen from people by the Nazis. The same thing is going to have to be done with these uh, uh, priceless artifacts. And in terms of authenticity, authenticity, um, it takes curators and uh, scientists to determine the authenticity of these artifacts. And you know how it is. You can be in Ghana... As you approach the airport, there's all kinds of curio art you know uh uh it's not someone like myself or the average person that can determine the what's what's simply curio art produced for quick sale to tourists versus what's an authentic uh sculpture uh from the past or from a major artist so you know art is uh Definitely, um, and being an artist is a, it's a leap kind of thing and it's a gift to be an artist. But these artifacts that you talked about and the imagery of uh, Europeanizing uh, Nephrodites or Cleopatra is simply what's been done. Look, uh, we had Elizabeth Taylor playing Cleopatra and uh, Richard Burton, Mark Anthony. Neither of those people represented what Cleopatra, she didn't represent what Cleopatra looked like, nor did Richard Burton represent uh, Mark Anthony, I'm sure. So um, that's just uh, a European aesthetic, you know. For example, we see that when the Medici's were uh, a wealthy family in Italy, they commissioned Michelangelo to do uh, paintings, They weren't intentionally doing it because uh, having him paint white people for the sake of white people, there was no photography. So when they wanted to paint a religious scene, they painted in Uncle Anthony, uh, Brother Africa, Eleanor, Brother Anthony. They used the imagery of their family members so they would be memorialized in their home. They were the commissioners of great art. So, you know, art is a, uh, uh, something of value to the human, uh, aesthetic to humans, and, um, and definitely there's going to have to be uh, some kind of reckoning with uh, ownership and the return of these artifacts to the rightful owners and the conservation, conservation how they're going to be housed, um, the structures to accommodate them you know uh it's not just making uh, uh the museum walk comfortable for the for the visitors it's uh making it suitable for the conservation of the art so that's a very complex subject and i see it as one that's going to need to be addressed by uh great minds and and political thinkers on a global level on how we address the return of 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 major artifacts and archaeological significant things. And in terms of talking about people being overweight and being grateful, I think our listeners should listen uh, and understand that we are talking about the advancement of workers' rights and making a stronger America by divesting the rich of uh, the top 1% 1% of some of their wealth and redistributing it to working people, those who go out working a job every day, and for them to begin to identify with that. And hunger in the United States is a real issue. That is the hunger amongst the children and the elderly and families every day in America. And I would uh, suggest that he volunteer at a food bank and Get involved, and uh, uh, maybe he'll understand the conditions that um, people born and raised in America, as he said, are facing. And that would give him a new perspective, and it would be enlightening for it's enlightening for everyone to to get involved with other cultures, other groups, especially. Uh, people born in this united states as he said he's from africa he came in the 80s and um the united states is a very welcoming country it's true in many other countries for example uh foreigners aren't allowed to own property in certain areas and don't have certain rights so he's Correct. You one, one minute, Sister Eleanor. i know, close up your dissertation. Well, thank you so much, Brother Africa.
4: That's it for me. I think I've said enough. I think so, too, but I'd like to make one correction in your dissertation. We're not talking what? about making this wrong in America. We don't recognize legitimacy in to America. America, this territory, was stolen from a lot of people. We were kidnapped. That's right. We're not trying to make this place no, no not stronger We want to take this place and give it back to the rightful owners So uh, we always want to be conscious of that fact brother Haki the brother said many things I'll give you a few minutes to respond
5: to some of the things he he stated brother Haki your response well, brother. Well, brother Africa. I need about an hour anyway. Okay, listen (laughs) in a nutshell in a nutshell to be more concise essentially what he's saying He's saying two things. One, he's saying materialism defines human beings. And secondly, he's saying that you should be like Europeans. In other words, the kind of exploitation by any means necessary in terms of achieving wealth, what he's advocating is that we should be like them. And then he goes on to say that uh, $32,000 a yearly puts you uh, among the top wage earners of the world. Well, the the, the irony is that when you look in the context of wages in America, when you talk about the working class in America, you're talking about $13,000 a year. So the $32,000 a year he's talking about doesn't even apply to the masses of African people born in America. Second thing, in respect in terms of when we talk about victimhood mentality, one of the problems in terms of Africa, and I travel through most, I've been to most African states, one of the problems in terms of Africa is their lack of knowledge in terms of historical understanding. That's not a put down. That's a, that's a reflection of the educational system being controlled by the West. And so there's no hindsight in terms of the historical realities. And as a consequence there are many Africans who want to emulate the west and emulate the west which is are content in terms of participating in systems which are diametrically evolved specifically to 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 marginalize and to impoverish Africa but yet they persist in participating in systems because their belief is that if they participate in a system they get some rewards they're not concerned about the masses of people they're concerned with their own individual pockets that's a philosophy we fundamentally reject. We understand to go down that road to emulate the Western world in terms of how you treat, treat your human being, we realize it's a prescription for destruction. We're not interested in being part of a destructive force. Also, I think in terms of victimhood, one thing that is important in terms of the context of America, one thing that we do have in America is that many of us don't understand the historical understanding. We do want to be like the Western world. We do try to emulate the Europeans. In that context, when we talk about empowerment, we look to other people to empower us. The reality is empowerment has to come from us, no one else. But we can't empower ourselves unless, number one, we understand we have the capabilities to empower. So it's not a question in terms of victimhood. It's a question of understanding the history and use that history to empower oneself to move forward. That is the point. So one of the things that, you know, if I'm, if Mr. Sims is correct, this brother wouldn't say the same, wouldn't say these things, but we we had some Ethiopians from Oromo who corrected, I believe this is the same guy who corrected this guy when he called in. So I I suspect that if he had the Oromos on on, on this program, he would be hesitant to say these kind of things because they would correct him. And if they correct him, he doesn't have any justification in terms of trying to come back simply because his fellow countrymen have corrected him, which sort of underscores just how wrong he is. But lastly, about Africa, one of the things is that we can't negate the socialization. See, one of the things that he wants to do, and by not understanding history, one of the things you do, you, you make it possible for socialization, socialization to flourish. I'm a human being. As a child growing up, I'm subjected to certain kind of influences. Among those influences are the media, the education that I receive on my community. If the much broader society, if those positions of power or concrete conditions to shape my perception of how I see the world, it can have a devastating impact in terms of my intelligence development. You know, we talked about the whole day we've been talking about the economic realities in terms of, you know, Africa and the world. It seems to me that uh, these, these these the points that we've been made have been, have been uh, either dismissed or they weren't understood properly. But the whole point is that when we talk about this question in terms of, in terms of socialization, we have to saying that it doesn't matter where you're born, socialization is socialization. Whether I'm born in America, Central South America, Caribbean, or Africa, it doesn't matter. The conditions to a large extent will determine my outlook, my perception in terms of how the world operates. And so when you talk about inequality that exists in, in, in African states, inequality exists in America as well. And also when you talk about that $32,000 figure, the one thing we have to understand when you, when you talk about $32,000, we have to take in context with, with the value of the currency that we're talking about. So in America, $32,000 is not a lot of money. So if you think in $32,000 a year in America that you're not going to struggle, then you're sadly mistaken. So this notion that somehow that you've got to be like the West, you've got to be antagonistic, materialistic, destructive, the notion that such variables and that this is the way human, human beings move forward is a proposition that we fundamentally reject, we don't want to be that way, and this is why we talk about history, the importance of history, understanding history to move forward. As a matter of fact, those individuals in American society who excel, those individuals in Africa who excel, those individuals in Central and South America the Caribbean who excel tend to be individuals who understand the African history, and otherwise they understand the past. In order to go forward, i got to understand the past. For me to go forward and not understand the past is virtually impossible to do, which which, which, which explain why so many of us, why we we we, we 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 are subjected to such horrible conditions because we don't historically understand uh, that those things that happened in the past, those things that happened in the past that fundamentally affect us today. And I will close with that, brother Africa.
4: Thank you, brother Hakeem. brother Anthony. Your response to my brother? Yes. Uh,
6: let's see. Uh, I concur with all the points brother Hakeem made. I would add that uh that uh that the amount uh, that uh uh a, a, a amount of a person's gross income is relative. And uh in ostensibly the wealthiest society in the world, uh thirty two thousand dollars a year isn't crap. And uh, you know, and uh you know, you really can't sustain yourself on that kind of income adequately especially if you have a family you're trying to raise and uh you know and i think uh the brother pointed out that uh that uh he's from uh ethiopia he came uh during the 80s and i would suggest that uh that it seems like he has a very Uh, a limited understanding of how the U.S. amassed its wealth. It amassed its wealth off of the exploitation of the indigenous people and the labor of Africans from throughout Africa. That's how it amassed its wealth and uh it was uh, it was on our banks and the indigenous people of this hemisphere's land that uh that the u s amassed its wealth and it's very unevenly distributed uh and yes uh several of us have been outside the u s and we under- and we have an understanding. And also we, uh, and also we've done uh, uh, our done a, a research in terms of how poverty affects other people around the world, and also how, uh, and how a lack of the knowledge of how the U.S. acquired its wealth uh, plays a role in terms of people's perceptions of uh, the realities here. Uh, a lot of people don't understand how the U.S. came this uh, wealthy behemoth that it is, and that that is the, through the exploitation of other people's labor and other people's land, and uh, and uh, and the reason why. Uh, you know, so many people aspire to come to the US. They they see the US as a, a land of uh flowing with milk and honey. But they don't have an understanding of how the US amassed that wealth. And that was out of the all for of the exploitation of the people of Africa and the land of the indigenous people of the Western Hemisphere.
4: And we now go to Brother Moses. Let Brother Moses your response to our brother's statement.
7: Well, the brother obviously is, is not a Marxist, and he's obviously, you know, not a, a secretary or a Kwame Nkrumah. Um, he's he's he's. he's, he's you know, not in touch with the the masses of African people and the needs of African people and, and understanding the historical development of, of the world. And he's just he's ignorant on all on all points and uh and he's just a uh, glorified mercenary. I mean basically he's 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 just trying to seek wealth and uh and uh and he doesn't want to deal with the past and he just wants to move on and, and get everybody else to move on and not deal with the past and so you know we there's there's an antagonistic uh contradiction between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat and and it's reflected in in the outlook and uh and uh you know uh obviously you know he He's chosen his side, and, uh, and he's sticking to it. He, he, he's consistent every time he calls. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Brother Moses. What we're going to do right now, this is Africa on the move. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat. As we define it, we're going to stand behind it. We're going to give our listening audience something to think about, and when we come back, uh, we can have our final thoughts for today's program. We want you to check out Brother Kwame DeRay as he spoke on the issue of the importance for Africans to fight for revolution and not
9: reform. It will be solved. There's a difference between revolution and reform. Big difference. In reform, a man observing a foundation, observing a system, sees many problems. But he assumes that there's nothing wrong with the system. The foundation of the system for him is a good system. Thus, what he seeks to do is to change the building as best he can, but he wants to leave the foundation intact. Example, if I came to this building, it's Ackerman Hall, is it not? If I came to Ackerman Hall and I looked at the foundation, the foundation was falling. It was just falling, couldn't possibly stand. If I were a reformist, I'd say, okay, put a piece of board over that. So we cover the foundation, we haven't touched it, and then I'll come here and say, put a window there, put a door here, put a frame here, put two rooms where there used to be one. What I'm doing is reforming the system. I am trying to make it look different, but I'm keeping the same rotten foundation. You must understand that because this country is full of reformists, black people notwithstanding. And these reformists have a tendency to deceive you, to let you believe that things are really being changed when in fact the foundation has not been touched and the longer it stays, the more rotten it becomes. The more rotten it becomes. A revolutionary comes into the building, observes Ackerman Hall, and says, looks at the foundation and said, hey, this foundation is filthy, it's rotten, it's corrupt, it must be torn up. A new one must be put in its place. Once he makes that decision, and once that theoretical decision which he's made is demonstrated actively in his day-to-day life, you have a revolutionary Thus, a revolutionary is not someone who seeks to reform a system, he's someone who seeks to replace it. I'm a revolutionary. I'm not a reformist. I want the American system destroyed. It must be destroyed and has to be replaced. has to be replaced. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Again, I'm not calling for revolution. I see it coming, and I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be part of the problem. I've been the victim too long, so I want to be part of the solution. I am saying that all of us must opt for revolution. All of us must opt for revolution. Now revolution is very scientific. There's nothing emotional about it. There's nothing emotional about it. President Sekou Touré, a wise and courageous African revolutionary, says that in revolution there is no sentimentality. There is none. Whether I like something or do not like something, it is scientifically determined for me, thus I must do it. So I have no sentiments involved in my work. I just have to do what I have to do, and I will do it the best way I can. Best way I can. Now, revolution, we said, follows scientific laws. If you come and you look at the foundation, and you see the foundation is rotten, and you say that you want to replace this foundation, you want a new system, you're asking for revolution. Because what you're saying is that you want another system where there is a system. And we know scientifically that no two things can occupy the same place at the same time. I mean, that's logic. So if you say that uh, you're against capitalism and you want another system put in the place of capitalism, then all you're saying is that you want revolution because capitalism and this other thing cannot occupy America at the same time. Only one, only one will occupy it. Only one will be dominant. Thus, if you say you want revolution, you understand you're talking about scientific principles. Two systems cannot occupy the same space at the same time. I'm opposed to capitalism. I seek, I seek an economic system which must follow the principles of scientific socialism. This system must come, will come, all over the world, America notwithstanding. It must come and will come. Re- We'd like right to walk you
4: back to... Africa on the move. You just listened to Brother Kwame Turey giving his um on the issue of revolution and and reform. The difference between revolution and reform. We on Africa on the move. We want revolution too. We are fighting for the African revolution. We want the total liberation and unification of Africa on a scientific socialism. We are fighting for pan-Africanism. We come and ask you to join us if you're a conscious African, if you're a revolutionary African, if you're an African who want freedom and justice for Africa and African people, if you're going freedom and justice for all man and womankind, this is the road for you. Come and join us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, I can't apologize for my voice being a little today. tonight. Um, been under the and we try to be for you be here for you every week <clears throat> and um, We're doing our best so right now. This is the first part of the two-part series discussing the truth about Africa We will ask our panelists and analysts for tonight to give us their final thought and We'll start with brother Moses brother Moses.
7: Thank you. Thank you brother Africa. And, uh, it's been a wonderful show uh... I think you know it's critical that we understand that uh, the working class and the and the owning class have diametrically opposed interests and uh you, we you, class consciousness is is uh is not developed overnight uh it takes a lot of study and and understanding of 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 the political economy. Before one becomes class conscious and uh, and identifies with the class with the working class and and the interests of the working class, and so you know we're gonna there's a lot of people you know just use their common sense so to speak, and it, and it's that that's not good enough, you have to be scientific because the world is not apparent, and uh, so I'll just leave it right there. Um, uh, hopefully. We will continue to struggle and continue to struggle with those people who who don't seem to understand the the nature of the beast and uh you know, the um this the caller the call in he loves America obviously. And then I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses this is Illinois. Your thoughts for tonight.
2: Thank you so much, uh, Brother Africa. Thank you uh, to, our, um, to my fellow panelists, our fellow panelists, and to our listening audience. I just am uh, going to close with the reality. And Brother, Af- Brother Africa, Brother, all the panelists brought it up. If you're earning $32,000 a year and your rent is 2000 a month, and taxes are taken out of your income, and you have to provide transportation and food for yourself, you're a very poor person. And it doesn't matter what that $32,000 might represent in Ethiopia, 32000 U.S. dollars. What matters is where you stand and where you live. And you can't afford to feed your family and yourself and to provide for your retirement and your health care. So with that in mind, Brother Africa, I uh, really enjoyed this evening's show. I want to thank you so much. And it was uh, wonderful to discuss art and uh, artifacts, their great, their incredible value, and that they're priceless. And who and how are we going to determine to return them to their rightful owners. So with that in mind, everyone have a wonderful week and a a very Merry Christmas and I look forward to, and a Happy Kwanzaa and I look forward to uh, meeting with you again next
4: week. Thank you, Sister Algonquin. Next we go to
5: Brother Haki,
4: your final thoughts for tonight.
5: Yeah, first brother Africa. Let me just uh, thank that brother for calling in. Even though, <laughs> even though you know, uh, you know, uh, he, he said some things that are, uh, tell you are, are shocking uh, in the 21st century. But nonetheless, I, I I appreciate the fact that he's bold enough, uh, courageous enough to actually say these kind of things because this facilitates some kind of discussion in terms of what's really going on. So to the brother, I really thank you. Keep calling in. Keep on, you know, be provocative. Keep on, keep on raising those questions. Which compels us to, 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 to answer them in a manner in which, uh, um, you know, people fully understand, you know, what the issues are. Now, my my closing my closing statement to this brother Africa. When we talk about economics, I think one of the things that's important when we talk about the level of uh, uh of um uh, uh, economic growth. I mean, specifically when we talk about uh, the wealth that accrued to you know the small percentage of the, of the population uh, from a global perspective. Uh, when you look at that, that, that total amount in terms of benefits to that, to that small sector, it's mind-boggling. In fact, uh, like 100 for 1% of the population, about 520,000 people, own at least 19 million, $19 million. Now, that doesn't include investments. That's just cash, $19 million. In essence, they hold 11 percent of the world output. Um, that is extraordinary. Now it's even it gets even more grim when you look at in terms of the one tenth or one percent of the population uh, of the global population. They can they have more wealth than three point eight billion people on the planet. Um, now when we talk about this one tenth or one percent of the global population in terms of being in that 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 that, that, that wage uh, uh, group, we're talking about roughly we talk about throughout the world we're talking about seven seven million people. And so the world has what is what we have what. Uh, five, five, six billion people on the planet, and we're talking about seven million people who actually have have more assets, assets, more wealth than the entire world output. And when you talk about how much the world produced in terms of output, we're only talking about 418 trillion dollars. So when you talk about 418 trillion in terms of all the world has off in terms of buying and selling, but yet you got one tenth of one of the population who owns more than that then clearly we got a problem. And what that means, it means in terms of dollars and cents, it means that the disempowerment of people is it's in, is is increasing leaps and bounds. And so people who don't have access to money have no access in terms of right to life. And this is a fundamental problem. In the context of America, when we look in terms of disparity between the haves and the have-nots, one of the things we have to understand that this disparity that we're talking about is not going to disappear. It's widening every day. And the question ever becomes, with this disparity, what are those people who don't have access to money? What are you going to do? Sister Eleanor talk about paying and rent. What are you going to do about terms of, what are you going to do in terms of uh, being able you know, to go to a school? Because now that they are facing now public education, these charter schools are the vehicle in which people are going to be educated. Well, which, since these schools are privately owned and they're privately financed, with in, in, large, in large part, they're privately financed. They're also financed by, you know, public expenditures. Given this reality, it's only, it's, it's inevitable that these schools, these charter schools, are becoming, uh, 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 pay, uh, you have to pay to attend these, these, these charter schools. The question is, in a society in which increasingly the wages continue to, to fall, 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 in fact, wages have been falling for workers in America for the last 30 years. When you talk about the decrease in wages, then you have to ask yourself, uh, what are people going to do in terms of educating their children if, in fact, your charter schools want you to pay to educate your children? So we got some problems. So clearly none of these problems will be resolved you know, uh, by simply uh, being ignorant about it. We have to understand wholeheartedly how these, how, these, how these changes fundamentally affect our lives. We got to understand also historically you know, the processes that led to these kind of developments. Because if we understand historically how these these developments came to to fruition, then we can theorize avenues on which we can move forward. So having said that, Brother Africa, as always, you know, I encourage people to unravel the matrix. That is key. Uh, if If there's any hope of longevity, we have to understand concretely what's going on and what our response is going to be to what's going on. With that, you have a good night, Brother Africa.
7: Good
4: night to you, Brother Hockey. Brother
6: Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight? My final thought for tonight is that we must uh, intensify our level of organization and political education among ourselves. That is the ultimate ultimate solution to the problems facing us is pan-Africanism. The Total Liberation and Unification of Africa Under Scientific Socialism. You can find out more about Pan-Africanism by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And you can find out more about the history of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, as well as the history of the development of Pan-Africanism. And also, you can find ways to join and support our organization as well.
10: Thank you.
4: Thank you, Brother Anthony. Thank all you and our panelists and analysts for today's program. I listen to audience, audience calling today. We'd like to thank all of y'all for giving us the opportunity, opportunity to come to your homes this evening where we can speak truth to the powerless and the powerful as a reminder, we want you to remember that the Pan-African Roots publishes volume one and two of a new book titled, We Demand the Full, the Full Disclosure and Dignization of All Slavery Earl Records. Please go to the website, www.a-aprp.gc.org, for more information. And we also want to remind you, if you have already um, join yet, please contact the African Awareness Association and join us. Uh, it takes its annual Black History, Educational, and Cultural Travel Challenge to Cuba from July 23rd to July 31st. For more information, you can email African Awareness Association at the email African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com or go to or visit our website at www. AAA cuba C U B A Tools T-O-U-R-S dot com. So we would like to thank you again for listening to part one of the two-part series. Next week we'll continue part two on discussing the truth about Africa. Like always, we try to give you what you need, not necessarily maybe what, what you want. We do our best to try to give you what you need. We will speak truth to power and the powerless, and we will try to induce you to organization because we recognize one of the biggest contradictions that people are dealing with is not being organized. We encourage you that if you want to help your people, if you want to be a positive role to help move humanity forward, if you want to free Africa, African- people, you only can do it by one way, and that way is to be organized. So let's get organized and the best way get organized is join an organization that does something to help alleviate the suffering of your people and humanity. And if you find if you don't find an organization to suits your needs and your interests, then you create one to, that will help serve the interests of your people and you help move humanity forward. So until next time. This is Brother Africa for Africa on the Moon. We'd like to thank you again. we we'll see you next week. And like always, we subscribe to go forward our Apple, backwards novel. So we'll leave you for the next 10 minutes with some rubbish air culture. This has been Africa on the Moon. Hey,
1: hey, hey. hey what's happening? Hey, brother. We don't need to escalate you see, war is not the answer For only love can come You know we've got to find a way To bring some love into today oh, oh, oh. Pick, it and pick it back and pick it Punish me with fruit. I think we are end Oh, but who would they judge and Oh, you know we can't love Oh, oh, oh Tickets take it tickets Come on, talk to me You can't
11: Uh
12: To hear it, his integration been disintegrating, better off in our own ghettos with our own situation, his last speech got him assassinated, black business was booming, it wasn't just a consumer, controlling our narrative, we have more marriages, and see what the damage did, They ain't that by the bitch, and welfare did it's way worse than the slavery, I'll never be an agent, I don't care what they pay of me, Seem like Nip had the same old story, if we pay a black hater, tell a different allegory, like Pearl Harbor and 9-11 was the mystery, supremacy ago, the extent the history be a lie All I'm saying If these leaders was alive who be on the internet Trying to divide Use a hotel hustler Trying to fear people Of that low vibe structure Agree to disagree And we ain't gotta tear our own down Argue in silence or forever be our own down All I wanna say is That we giving it away Soul ain't for sale And the devil is a fake Argue in silence But don't let it feel our like fate Right behind doors But don't ever show our face Cause I'm on Hats with her Hats with her be our own people do the trolling Just be on ignorance to do the scolding Where we going? Cause hats had Twitter And Malcolm had Twitter It be our own people do the trolling Just be on ignorance to do the scolding Where we going? Tried to show my man hidden colors, he said nothing new. I said, what if we've been lied to most of our freaking lives? Every year coming tonight, and you ain't speaking right. Your arrogance precedes you. What if your faith did? I spoke to God on Wednesday, he said, most of it's basic. Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry. Hieroglyphic writing on walls you couldn't take from me. A man lay dead in the street too. Enjoy to give, I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. I wanna get high today got five on my little bundle of temporary Man, I wanna live long enough to be legendary Your statistics said by now that I'm gonna be dead and buried But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already And a march for our rights that civil the same purpose Two different tribes and we fighting the same person Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us
0: and Cosmic companionship sustained me After my husband was assassinated and gave me some strength make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work.
12: A man
1: On, les notre continent, on comme le le oh, oh, oh. de dans l'unité, dans l'amour, la volonté, le cœur, l'amour, la volonté et le sacrifice pour le changement du Congo. For a Congo Madame Patricia
8: Servant, Banaya Congo, Toluiana, Africa,
1: Congo, I don't want to be a coward, I don't want to be a we put it bucket, I'm a tazardita, I'm a kid, i